Hello, everybody, and welcome along to the Event Industry News Podcast. My name is James Dixon, wishing you all a very good morning, a good afternoon, or a good evening, whenever or wherever you are tuning into today's podcast from. On today's podcast, we're going to be talking robotics. August Robotics publicly unveiled its first robot, Lionel, the revolutionary trade show floor marker at the 85th UFI Global Congress held last autumn in St. Petersburg, Russia. The Hong Kong-based robotics and artificial intelligence company aims to bring automation and innovation to trade shows around the world, helping trade show companies and venues make their exhibition build-up processes more reliable, efficient, and safe. August Robotics was represented at the Congress by CEO Alex Wyatt and General Manager for Germany, Jean-Michael Haas. And I'm delighted to say that joining us from their base in Hong Kong on the show today is Alex Wyatt. Alex, thank you very much for joining the podcast. Thank you for having me, James. Much appreciated. Um, fascinating. And I, f- I should point out, first of all, our first guest to join us from Hong Kong. We've lots, uh, had lots of transatlantic guests where people have joined us from the USA and, and other parts of the, of the globe. But Hong Kong is another first for the podcast. So it's great to have you on the show today. Um, as I said in the introduction there, you are a Hong Kong-based robotics and artificial intelligence company. And Lionel, uh, as, a, as a robot and as a product, is a, a trade show floor marker. So I suppose the obvious question to start with is, why was it created? Okay, uh, so Lionel was created to, to take the, the effort and a lot of the trouble uh, out of the backbreaking task of marking the, um, the stand construction layout on the floor. Uh, so in any, in any trade show, uh, the, there's a, a CAD file uh, that is painstakingly put together, as I think most of your listeners would know, for over 11 and a half months or whatever it is before such time as the uh, event happens. And then right at the very end, uh, it is sort of often printed out on a, on a piece of A4 paper. And there's armies of people with tape measures and what have you that are instructed to convert that from a piece of paper uh, onto the floor uh, in, the, in the trade show uh, venue. Uh, and this process is, is labor intensive. Uh, it is often, it's not particularly well suited to humans, uh, so it can be inaccurate. And it cannot be very safe uh, in the sense, particularly if it's being done uh, simultaneously with takedown, uh, or you know, rigging work, uh, it can be quite dangerous. Uh, and so why Lionel was invented uh, was to do this task uh, for event organizers. And so to take the, uh, it takes the CAD plan as an input. So you email Lionel, he has his own email address, uh, Lionel at augustrobotics.com. Uh, you email to Lionel your CAD plan for the show. Uh, and then Lionel then finds himself in the hall, we press a red button, and then autonomously, he will print the, floor, uh, the, the layout of the show uh, on the hall. And so you have all of the stand outlines on, on the whole floor. So it's like a giant printer. And, and how does that actually manifest itself? Because, you know, I, I've been there, I've been on trade show floors, you know, in empty warehouses armed with, with rolls of tape, um, tape yeah. measures, pieces of chalk, you make all sorts of markings and lines manually. How, how does Lionel actually go about marking those positions on the floor itself? Yeah, so um, quick answer to your question is we have multiple different attachments for Lionel. Uh, and so it depends on different markets around the world. So some people like to use paint. Uh, so, you know, particularly in sort of the European markets, they like to use paint on the black floor and then they'll paint over it uh, because the floor is all black. Uh, in other parts of the world, it's sort of a concrete floor. So they tend to prefer to use chalk uh, or indeed tape. Uh, and, and Lionel has all sorts of different attachments that can fit in with what the existing client uses. So if, if, a, uh, you know, if your exhibition center currently uses chalk, 
then we will attach the torque att attachment onto Lionel. If it uses uh, paint currently, then we'll use the paint attachment. And we can use all sorts of different colors uh, and sort of thicknesses and what have you of these, uh, of these various attachments. Now, now, presumably, you, you go in and, and you're wanting to deploy Lionel in, any, in a particular setting, in a particular trade show venue or a, a big convention center. Um, Lionel presumably needs points of reference in order to be able to navigate the room in much the same way as you would have a, you know, an autonomous car, uh, that, that they would need points of reference in order to navigate safely around any given area. How does Lionel navigate safely and accurately around any given space? Yeah, I mean, this is, I'm really glad you asked that, uh, James. So thank you. I mean, this is one of the things that is really special about Lionel. And one of the things that was, you know, made our technical task in the R&D process a lot harder is we wanted to make sure that Lionel was able to be used in any hall around the world. Uh, and we didn't want a situation where we needed to map the whole hall uh, and have Lionel sort of get used to the hall each time and have you, because we wanted to be able to deploy this everywhere from the UK to Germany, to the USA, to Australia, wherever. Uh, we want to be able to deploy it. And so essentially we've designed it in a way where Lionel is able to orientate himself with, a, with what we call a lighthouse uh, that we bring along. So we bring along a robot and a lighthouse and we put the lighthouse in the middle of the hall and then Lionel will orientate himself according to that lighthouse. The only thing we need to do at the very, very beginning of the process uh, is, is basically tell the lighthouse where it is on the map. And so there needs to be a connector point. And so a lot of halls will already have an existing reference point. If they don't, then we'll create one out of a door or, you know, a pillar or something like that. Sure. And then once our lighthouse knows where it is, uh, it is able, the robot is able to navigate autonomously uh, around the hall uh, with very, very high degrees of accuracy. So, you know, we can talk about a, a 10,000 square meter hall or an even larger hall than that. Uh, and we can, we can navigate to very, very high accuracies, you know, low centimeter accuracies, indeed in many cases, millimeter accuracies. And tell me, I've had experiences myself working as a freelancer at, at, at trade shows where um, you're marking out a room and you have a, what is given to you as a supposedly very accurate CAD drawing of the room that's completely accurate to every last millimeter. Yeah. But you will often find discrepancies between those CAD drawings. And when you actually get on site and get into that room, you'll find a pillar that's not marked or a fire yeah. exit where there is a, you know, a, 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 a maybe a 500 mil, you know, point that comes out into the show floor that's not marked on the diagram. Um, I suppose what I'm asking is how does Lionel navigate and how do you deal with discrepancies once you actually get on site between the room as it is in its physical appearance and the CAD drawings that you've worked to in advance? Yeah, no, it's, it's a very good question. There are two, two answers to it. Um, the first answer is Lionel's not going to crash. Like if there's a, a pillar that's in the wrong spot or anything like that, he's not going to crash because he has a dynamic obstacle avoidance technology in him. Uh, and that's not just designed for a pillar that's in the wrong place. Uh, that's designed for, you know, if, if James walks across in front of Lionel, we want Lionel to avoid James. Uh, also, you know, if people leave boxes or various other things that clearly are marked in a CAD plan, if there's a random box or a piece of rubbish or an old stand or something like that, then Lionel needs to be able to navigate around what we call dynamic obstacles. Uh, so he's not going to crash into anything that's, that's out of line. Um, the second part of your question is, um, do we adjust the CAD layout accordingly? Mm -hmm. Right. And, and this is more a matter of judgment, right? In the sense that, you know, it's like, okay, well, this was supposed to line up with the pillar. Um, should we move everything across a little bit to account for the fact that um, the pillar's seemingly in the wrong position, right? Um, and 
you know, Lionel, for very obvious cases, uh, Lionel is able to do that automatically and with sort of artificial intelligence and what have you. Um, what it will do is if the discrepancy is very high, uh, is it will say, well, look, you know, these are the two scenarios that we can, we can apply. There's an operator on site. Um, I mean, one of the things we'll talk about later is the, is the service delivery model. And that operator will then be able to choose, right? Um, where there's no pillars, it's not really a problem at all, right? Because if the walls are a little bit out, there's usually a buffer between the wall and the actual plan. And so as long as the plan, relatively speaking, is all accurate, if it's phase shifted a couple of, you know, 500 millimetres north or 500 millimetres southwest, it doesn't really matter. The only time it can become a bit of an issue is if a pillar is supposed to be exactly on a corridor and because the CAD is not quite accurate, the pillar ends up being jutting into the corridor. Sure. Well, then what, you, what Lionel will do is, is move everything out. And we, we've given it a, a sort of a hierarchy of needs. And essentially, if, if pillars are in the middle of a booth, you know, if it sort of moves a little bit, well, we'll leave it right? Because who knows, right? But if it's supposed to be right in a corner of a booth or something like that, then we will phase shift everything accordingly. Sure. Speaking pure, purely from experience within the UK sector uh, and, and some of the, I suppose, that the regulations that, that, that um, people are required to work under on a, uh, a trade show floor environment, um, there are very strict guidelines as to how wide access walkways need to be for the general yeah. public. There are strict guidelines on how close things can be to fire exits um, yeah. and, and these sort of critical uh, measurements that you have to con be conscious of all the time when you're marking out a, a show floor. Um, yeah. I, I would guess that given the level of artificial intelligence that's built into Lionel, it's not just the actual marking of the spaces itself and the, the, the booths and the stands that have been booked on that show floor, but you can also factor in in any given territory what the regulations may be so that it can make decisions for itself as to how yeah. wide corridors need to be and things like that. Will it, will it factor those in? Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, what, I mean, what we'll do in the, even flag that up beforehand mm. in the sense that, you know, when we get the plan in and one of the, one of the things about Lionel and, you know, we, we haven't quite released this feature yet, but it will be out quite soon is a simulator for clients. So you can essentially, the, you put in your plan uh, and then there's an online simulator. You log in with your login name and you say, here are all that, all the plans. And you press a simulator and you can speed it up at 100x or 1000x or what have you. And you can see the path that the robot will take mm -hmm. um, and, you know, which, which, which marks it will do and which way it will go. And the ones that are already marked are in green and the ones that, are, you know, haven't yet marked are in a certain other color in gray or what have you. And you can move through and see the robot. Yeah. Um, when we go through the process of internalizing that diagram, uh, you know, those sorts of things can be checked right, in terms of have we met all of, the, all of the regulatory requirements, right? And so in many ways, one of the great things about doing these things using IT is that you can simulate thousands and thousands of times um, in terms of beforehand, if you wish, uh, and that enables you to, um, you know, to keep an eye out for these sorts of regulatory requirements. And then what you can do is rather than get to the actual day when you've marked the floor and say, oh, hang on, the corridor is only 2.7 metres instead of 2.8, you can actually tell them beforehand, look, actually, you've put that booth a bit too big. And as a result, in, that, in our simulation, has revealed that, that the corridor is too narrow in the, in the south, southeast corner. Right? And then there's time to fix it rather than it being actually at the, on the day.
That's interesting. And, and, and I suppose that, that that also leads me to a, to a couple of um, what you may call fundamental questions um, related to operating time and speed. Um, mm. Again, uh, perhaps from a, not necessarily a safety point of view, but um, how, how fast does the actual uh, robot travel when it's in operation? And what is the operating time? Because presumably to operate uh, with the flexibility that it needs, it, it's battery powered so that there are no mains cables connected to it. Yeah, that's right. He doesn't carry around a big cable, uh, so he's got a very big battery inside of him. Uh, we do refer to him as Lionel as a, as a, as a bit of a tangent. Um, when we were naming him, we, were, we, we thought a female name suited better. Uh, but when we thought of a, a trade show robot that would be drawing lines on the floor, uh, Lionel was just too good to resist. Uh, <laughs> and so as a result, uh, he's, we, we refer to him as a him. Uh, he does have a big battery inside. Uh, he's able to with the, if you fill up the batteries, I think there's more than at least 10 hours of operation and in many cases sort of 14 or 15. Uh, and so we have no huge concerns about that. Uh, on average, it would be about 13 hours of uh, operation. Uh, and when you don't do that, we can swap the battery out or just bring a, another line up. So in terms of power, uh, this is not the concern that we have. In terms of time, uh, obviously this is a, this is a trade-off between how many markings you need to make. Uh, so, you know, if you only have to make 20 markings in a, in a room, uh, then it's obviously going to be very fast and a lot faster than if you need to make 600. Uh, but it's a time uh, trade-off between the number of marks and the size of the hall. Sure. Uh, but if you would look at, uh, you know, let's say a 10,000 square meter hall, uh, you know, say a pillarless 10,000 square meter hall uh, with average sort of density, maybe 120 booths or something like that. Uh, then, you know, we would expect that Lionel would be able to do that in certainly in three to four hours and probably less than that uh, to mark the hall. Now, of course, if, if there are any clients that have a particularly urgent hall that needs to be marked, uh, there's not just one Lionel. Uh, we can deploy two, two Lionels uh, and therefore the time would then halve, right? So, you know, the east side is done by Lionel 1 and the west side is done by Lionel 2. And then instead of three to four hours, you're looking at one to two hours. Uh, theoretically, you could have three or four Lionels and do the whole thing in half an hour. Um, but, you know, often that's, people don't need it that much. Um, but, you know, what we're looking at is Lionel's not just about uh, saving people from this job. Uh, you know, this is, a, this is a really difficult job. You've had experience of it yourself. It's not just about that, but it's also about utilization of trade show centers. Uh, and so, you know, if we can do this in a way that you can do it at nighttime, Lionel doesn't charge penalty rates, right? It can, it can work at night work on weekends. He can also work when the rigging work is undergoing, right? So, you know, there's an exclusion zone currently. If people are doing rigging work up the top, there's an exclusion not allowed underneath because, you know, spanner might fall and hit James on the head. And, you know, that's it's not a good thing. Clearly, we don't want Lionel to get smashed up too much. Um, but, you know, we can, we can deal with that more than a human uh, getting injured. And so as a result, what we are aspiring to do is as a result of being able to use that sort of downtime He's got lots of obstacle detection. So when, when takedown's going on, we can still mark part of the hall where it hasn't yet quite been taken down. What we're aiming to do is to reduce sort of what, we, what they call in the US market, straight line time, to reduce it to close to zero. So if you can make, uh, take advantage of night time, take advantage of like the time when it would normally be an exclusion zone, takedown time, essentially remove all of the time. Then what that can do is for owner operators. So if, if the show operator is also the owner of the venue, it can greatly increase utilization. Yeah. Uh, where there's a situation where the show um, operator will rent the venue, they could potentially rent it for a day less. 
And so in terms of the, because you don't need the whole day to like mark the floors, which is a very, very time intensive task. You can have, as you well know, you can have large teams, you, know, you can have six, six people in a hall or whatever, it still take you all day uh, to do it in many cases. So if you can remove that day or remove a day and a half or what have you for, for some of the really big shows, that can greatly reduce your rent. So this isn't just about, oh, well, you know, you know, Frank used to do this, maybe the robot can do it. Uh, it's about trying to increase utilization and um, increase efficiencies in the show setup, uh, setup process. Sure, because often until the floor is marked out, there are other critical elements of, of infrastructure that can't physically come in until everything is marked out accurately. So you are waiting exactly. on that space to be marked out in order for other stuff yeah. to happen. So if there's any delay in that, if it takes a longer period of time than you'd scheduled for, you're eating yeah. into time, you're eating into cost, you're eating into build, um, you may be having to make compromises elsewhere. One thing that I was, um, I was, I was, I was curious to, to ask about is the trust element. Um, whenever we, as, as humans, you know, when we, hand something over from being a manual job to being an automated job. We often have this instinct that we want to double check it. There's this sort of trust element. Yeah. In it. And, and I can envisage perhaps rightly or wrongly that first time users will see Lionel deployed. Um, you guys will have spent thousands and thousands of, uh, you know, pounds, dollars, hours investing and making sure that it's completely accurate. And yet, a first-time user will still go around with their tape measure and just double-check for their own peace of mind that it's okay, which perhaps yep. then means that they're still putting in the same amount of time to walk the show floor. How do you negate that whole trust issue with, with, with people who may be new to this type of technology? Well, look, I mean, it's something we'll, we'll probably talk to you about in six months, James, uh, in the sense that, you know, we've only just in November uh, just did a soft launch of the robot and, you know, commercial operations won't start for a couple of months. Uh, but my suspicion is exactly the same as yours, which is the first time that we do it, we'll go around and check it, um, or the client will go around and check it. Um, I understand that urge in the sense that whenever we do testing with the robot, uh, you know, the engineering team here will all groan because I'll bring my tape measure and I'm exactly the same. Like, I want to check it and see how it goes. Um, what I can say from personal experience is that fairly quickly after, you know, it's a fairly onerous task to check them, and when you're checking them all and they're all like accurate to within the last millimeter, you pretty quickly gain some trust that this robot knows what it's doing. And you look at the rest of the hall and you're like, all right, I think I can trust you robot. Um, but I think that's going to be a process that everyone's going to go through. Uh, and, you know, I think for the first show, there'll, there'll be quite a lot of checking. Um, thereafter, you know, the show will go well and, you know, we've checked it all. It's all within, you know, centimeter or two centimeters accurate. Everything went fine. There'll be a lot more trust next time. Right. And, and in many ways, if you, if you think about it, um, it's probably exactly the same with the manual workers. So, you know, most of the exhibition centers, you know, back in the old days, they have their own teams to do it. And then they handed it over to subcontractors. No doubt they would have gone and checked it the first couple of times, right, for the subtractor. Because, you know, we know what we're doing. Does that subcontractor know what they're doing? Um, and then, you know, they'll check it. Oh, yeah, okay, well, we'll stop checking up on the subcontractor's work. They seem to know what they're doing. The last couple of shows went okay. I think Lionel will be essentially the, the same process. Uh, and that, that really brings us to, you know, to what we call a business, our business model as well. Yeah. You know, we're not in the, in the business of selling this robot to exhibition companies. Uh, what, what we are essentially is just like any other contractor, yeah. but instead of coming with a collection of workers uh, and tape measures and what have you, uh, we come with one person and a collection of robots. 
right? And that one operator will potentially have uh, control sort of two or three robots going simultaneously, either in the same hall or in separate halls. So, you know, hall one will have one line all going, hall two will have another one, and the, the operator will be sitting somewhere with a little tablet that will be monitoring the progress of those robots. Um, and so really what we are uh, is a robotic enabled subcontractor. Um, we will be charging exhibition companies uh, not for the cost of the robot, but in the same way that their subcontractors charge, which will be like a per haul or a per show basis. So, in the, uh, and so, in, so, so, so j just to clarify, in the same way mm. that a uh, an exhibition organizer would build in um, a shell scheme contractor or uh, an electrical contractor to deliver all the cabling or a Wi-Fi exactly. contractor, they would bring you guys in as a contractor, but your specific yep. task is to come in on day one and get that floor marked out. Yeah, and more likely, just given the advantages of robotics, uh, would be probably to come in at night and they'll show up at eight in the morning and all the floors will be done. Right? I mean, that's, that's basically the idea. But it would be, we are delivering a service uh, and we're delivering it in a much more accurate and more reliable way because it's using machines and it's, you know, to get centimetre accuracy, uh, millimetre accuracy with human beings is really hard. And, you know, you'll see, I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of this stuff being done manually. You know, they will start at the door and it's like, okay, three metres to the first booth. If that's out by a centimetre, that's the next reference point. Three metres to the next booth. You then, and unless you're really lucky that they keep equalising each other, uh, then you end up, um, uh, you know, you can end up a metre out by the time you get to the end of 200 marks. Absolutely. Uh, whereas what the robot will do is it, is it checks its position each time. So you don't accumulate the errors. So, Alex, given the, the, the technology that um, is, is being deployed here, uh, at the start you mentioned that Lionel is, is referenced by this lighthouse that's, that's placed within any given venue. That There presumably is a constant line of communication bouncing backwards and forwards from Lionel to this, this lighthouse, this point of reference. Um, what, what benefits does that bring, that constant line of communication? Yeah, I mean, as I just mentioned, uh, when you do it as a human being or a team of human beings, you get the accumulation of errors. Um, whereas what Lionel will do is every single time before he makes a point, he will work out his coordinates. Mm. And so, you know, if there's an error in the previous one, which there won't be because Lionel is supremely accurate, uh, but if there were to be some kind of miracle and there'd be a small error in, in the previous mark, that won't in any way affect the next mark. Because each time there's an independent, uh, what we call localization, uh, so Lionel knows his coordinates within, within the trade show floor and then is able to mark. And so you don't get the accumulation of errors that you get with, um, with human teams that do this. And one of the things that, you know, we talk about utilization of, uh, of halls and what have you. One of the things that, you know, we've heard a lot from trade show companies is, you know, they will allocate a day for floor marking or a day and a half or whatever it is. And then, you know, be, as you said, there's a very packed schedule thereafter because nothing can happen until the floor has been marked. Sure. They might get to the end of the day and then it's like, uh-oh, we're a metre and a half out. This is a disaster. We have to pull it all back up and do it again. And then that just means that a very rushed sort of two or three-day setup process becomes an even more rushed one or two-day setup process. And as you mentioned before, compromises are made and that impacts the overall show. Whereas as we're doing it with extreme accuracy delivered by a machine, and then objective accuracy for every single point, uh, we're never in a position whereby you get to end up miles out at the end. And so you can be absolutely sure uh, that you know, everything will be accurate. And you can also plan the time a lot better. So the simulator that I mentioned earlier will tell you down to the last minute how long it will take to mark the hall. 
And so you can then you can then know exactly when it's going to be finished and then know exactly when the next people need to come in to start laying carpet or building stands or what have you. As we um, as we sort of push on through today's episode, um, I'm keen, keen to ask, um, with it only being unveiled publicly in autumn, I think it was October, November uh, last year, 2018, um, how yeah. soon uh, is there a timeline in place already for you have actually having this deployed and uh, are there already contracts and agreements in place with clients to actually utilise Lionel? Uh, right, so yeah, we launched it, uh, we did a soft launch in November, uh, in, in the beautiful city of St. Petersburg at the UFI conference. Uh, and we also did a, a small launch as well at the Expo Expo conference in New Orleans uh, in December. And so that was sort of the launches, look, this is what we do. Uh, in terms of commercial operations, uh, we've just started negotiating those. Uh, so literally this week, uh, we've started doing some negotiations with some of the price negotiations and what have you with some of the uh, larger uh, continental uh, exhibition centers. And we anticipate that, you know, as soon as those co uh, negotiations are complete, uh, then we, we're ready to start. We're ready to start operations. So, you know, these things typically take a little while. So we would hope to see news of, uh, you know, Lionel's co commercial operations by the summertime. Sure. And, and how, many, um, how many actual Lionel uh, robots are in existence at the moment? And in, in a best case scenario, if this, if this technology took off and people really saw the benefits immediately and said, great, we need to use those, how quickly can they pr be produced? Yeah, so they, well, to answer your first question, I think we have about six different Lionels at the moment, um, you know, and they're all basically the same. And then we've got lots of different attachments. As I mentioned earlier, there's paint and, you know, these other things that can go on. Um, in terms of uh, how quickly they can be made, very quickly, uh, well, you know, quick enough uh, in the sense that we have, um, you know, a pretty good design and a pretty good tech team and we have a workshop out the back. Sure. Uh, we, would make, we make those ourselves. Uh, in the sense that we deploy a service model. So it's not like a, ma a mass manufacturing thing where you have like a, you know, a telephone where you need to make 20,000 of them or what have you. Yeah. You know, we can cover a whole market with you know, 20 or 30 lineups, right? And they just, they just need to drive around to the different exhibition centers in the area and then they can all do their work, right? Um, we don't need thousands of lineups, uh, but we do need all of the lineups to be consistent uh, and to be updated. And you know, one of the benefits of our sort of service model is that, you know, if you were to sell a product, if someone gets an early product, then there's, you know, it may not be upgraded, it might be out of date, it might not be maintained properly. What we do is we'll make sure that, you know, whenever we bring a, a robot on site for a client, it's always the latest version, it's always up to date, it's always well maintained and can deliver uh, the service that we need. Um, we will also have a, uh, there's always, as I mentioned before, a human operator from August Robotics on site. Mm -hmm. It might have multiple lineups to control. But that's then just also a backup. If for whatever reason, let's say there's, there's a big box that's been left, you know, where there needs to be a mark. Lionel can't mark if there's a big box on the space that, you know, on the coordinates where there needs to be a mark. Um, then, you know, the human being can come and move that box and Lionel can do it. If Lionel's already been closed down, you know, the human being can do that by hand, right? I mean, we're not, we're not obsessed with the point where, you know, you have to automate, you know, the last mile always, right? You know, if, 99.9% .9 or 99% is fine. And if, you know, a human has to do a couple of bits around the side, that's, that's no problem at all, right? We're not going to sort of get religious about this. Absolutely. Um,
We've been, uh, we've been talking on the podcast today to Alex Wyatt. Alex is a CEO of August Robotics, and we've been discussing Lionel, the revolutionary trade show floor marker that was unveiled publicly at the 85th UFI Global Congress last autumn in St. Petersburg in Russia. Um, Alex, um, if, if any of our listeners and our podcast followers want to find out more about Lionel and what you guys do at August Robotics, how can they get in touch with you guys? Oh, so we would welcome anyone uh, from around the world that, is, uh, that does floor marking uh, to get in touch with us. Uh, our website is uh, www.augustrobotics.com uh, and we're also on LinkedIn and, and Facebook and the various other social media sites. But the right, the right website, www.augustrobotics.com. Really easy. And uh, yeah, fascinating. As I said, I've got a bit of experience of, of, of doing the job in the traditional sense, I suppose we can call it now. And it'll be fascinating long term to see how this particular uh, piece of technology um, becomes uh, involved within the industry uh, and how well it's received and how well it does. Um, but very best of luck to all of you guys over at August Robotics, Alex. Thanks for joining us uh, on the podcast today, all the way from Hong Kong. If you want to uh, watch the video version of this podcast, if you are listening to one of our audio links, uh, head over to eventindustrynews.com and you'll be able to see uh, a video of Alex sat in his Hong Kong office with uh, a picture of Lionel in the background. Um, and of course, if you're watching the video version of this podcast on eventindustrynews.com, then head over to your favorite podcast platform. You, all of the uh, previous episodes of the podcast are there for you to listen to and uh, maybe put on your headphones on your commute to and from work. But for now, we're going to wrap up today's episode and we'll see you on the next edition of the Event Industry News podcast. My name's James Dixon. Thanks very much and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.